not a good time to get benched because you're at the card pool. I'm your host, Stu Valletta. And I'm Kyle Robertson. And today we are looking at the money cards from Scars of Mirrodin. Yes, we are. And this is, of course, part three of our multi-part set review. You can take a look back at the previous two videos as well where we talked about the hidden gems of Scars of Mirrodin. But without further ado, let's get on to this review. Let's indeed. And Kyle, take it away with number one. All right. Well, our number one money card from Scars coming in at $99. Wow. This is Mox Opal, and this is a zero-cost artifact, and it's legendary as well, and it has Metal Craft, which means if you have three or more artifacts in play, you can tap it to give you one mana of any color. Very, very simple, but deceptively really powerful, actually, and this card is played all over multiple formats, mostly in modern. It's very well known in affinity decks because yeah. basically, like most of the moxes are, free mana. How do you pass up free mana? You really don't. It's like that free sample you can see at the stores. You're like, yes, I'll take one of these, and oh, yes, I'll take one of these. It's it's serviceable for many reasons. It has to be an artifact-focused deck, so you need to have at least three artifacts to be able to come out as well, but artifact lands help with this, for an example. You can also use thopters or anything else out there, and this is a very strong card for what it does. It's not as good as the OP moxes, I'd say. This is like oh, the, yeah, but... uh, the more watered-down one, but oh, still, definitely, yeah. for what it does... Such good value. And you do see home with this in EDH and some Artifact Matters decks. I suppose. I probably wouldn't label this a commander card. It is definitely a competitive play card. Because, yes. like I said, free mana is... It's actually relatively easy to come by in a format like EDH, but in competitive modern, for example, it's really not. And people seek after this card a lot because, like, they tried to stick on the tags like, oh, this is legendary, so you can't have more than one of them out at the same time. Oh, it has metal craft, so you have to have three artifacts before this even does anything. Come on, did you really think you were, that was going to stop this you from being good? You can't stop us. No. we can't stop, and we won't stop. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a good card. Lots of people want it. It has never been reprinted yet. And it's $99. That's like, wow, that's probably like the most expensive money card we've ever looked at. So far. <laughs> it's, it's like the number of problems Jay-Z has. It's up there. Yep. But anyway, moving on to number two, and uh, this one's going to be a little bit of a cluster. We're going to be talking about the Fastlands, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll take a look at a small handful of them that we have right here. Pretty much in short, we'll look at uh, Black Cleave Cliff right now, for if you were following me with the wording. It's a land that, when it enters the battlefield, it enters tapped unless you control two or fewer other lands. And if you don't, then it just, you know comes into play on tap, which is pretty nice. So it has like the claws of being as good as the dual lands, but it inherently just taps for either black or red. So these are like the OG dual lands, except they have a clause in which they enter tap. So it, it's a better guild gate, for example. But these are in allied colors, right? This whole set? They are, yeah. There are five of them. There's the green white one, black red one, blue black, and you know, the list goes on of the five ally colors. And then later on, actually, in Kaladesh, they waited till then, till they made the enemy color ones. Yeah. But the Fastlands and Black Cleave Cliffs is about 40 bucks. That's the most expensive one. The blue white one, Seachrome Coast, is the least expensive at around 10 or 11 bucks. So they have a big range. There is, but we kind of decided to group them together because they all are pretty much the same thing and they're really sought after cards from this set. And this way we can teach you guys more cards at home. But really, so they're strictly better than a guild gate already pretty good at this point because they give you both colors and necessarily again i don't think they're they're really commander cards but they're designed for competitive play yeah well if you play competitive commander it works i mean these aren't good in the late game obviously no. but again if you are an aggro player making sure you can hit off real quick 
it works. Oh yeah, definitely. And the reason that the black-red one is actually the best one is because in modern, burn is one of the better strategies, and it's mostly a red deck, but they splash a couple black cards in there, and that's why that land is the most expensive one. Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. I did not know that. Yeah, it's, I mean, th these lands are great. They generate huge mana-fixing advantage really early in the game, and they fit into some of the most popular decks, which but is really why they're so expensive. you really don't need them, honestly, in Commander, but other not formats, really. sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. But moving on to number three, actually, to a card that you do see in Commander for its pure value, we're talking about a card called Worm Coil Engine. Kyle, take it away. Well, this card is $26 a pop, and it's a six-mana artifact, a 6-6 six, six worm creature with Death Touch and Lifelink. And when Worm Coil Engine is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you put a 3-3 colorless worm artifact creature token with Death Touch and another 3-3 worm token with Lifelink onto the battlefield. So you think of this, when it dies, it just kind of splits itself up into two component parts and continues to fight. Two little baby guys. Exactly. And I mean, this is actually a relatively simplistic card. It's just a big beater with a couple of keywords that has a good advantage when it dies. The kicker of all of this, of course, is that much like Steel Hellkite we discussed in the previous video, it's colorless. It's an artifact. It goes into any deck, and it's just really, really good. There is an insane amount of value on this card, which, again, in Commander, it is relatively popular. You see it in some decks, mostly artifact-related. But in Modern, this makes up pretty much one of the primary threats of the Tron decks, which are focused on the Urza lands, which are Urza's Tower, Urza's Mine, and Urza's Power Plant. The whole point is to get all of them out as quickly as possible to generate insane amounts of mana. And one of the primary things they ramp into in those Tron decks is, of course, Worm Coil Engine. Because, I mean, really, look at this card. I mean, it provides card advantage when it dies, and Death Touch is pretty good, but not necessarily the game breaker. Lifelink is the game breaker here. It puts the game out of reach so quickly when this thing starts swinging. It's ridiculous. Well, and it's also, it's not a one-for-one. One. Think about it. You, you get this guy out, you trade out, all right, one-for-one. You get two? Is that a two for one? No, it's a three for one right there. So exactly. inherently, yeah, why would you not want that? Especially if you have Sack Atlas to populate a field, or you go ahead and you populate mechanic-wise to go ahead and make an army. Yeah, that's a scary foe right there to be facing up that kind of force. I don't like it. Yeah, and most cards or decks that use this card can bring this back very, very yeah, easily. Yeah, artifacts so, so simple with advantage that. Advantage after advantage after advantage works in token decks, artifact decks, grave packs, sort of related decks. This is just great value and bang for your buck. Probably one of the best value deals in Magic that I've ever seen. Yeah, 100%. And this card's only been going up lately. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, man. You can reprint this as many times as you want, and people are still going to want it because it's ridiculous. Even the tokens are worth money, and that's the part that makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. But moving uh, on to another commander, and this one has not been reprinted. At our number four slot, we have a great, great, scary commander card. It's called Scytherix the Blight Dragon. Now, this one comes in at around 20 it is a legendary creature dragon skeleton, which is very odd right there. But it costs five mana, three generic, and double black for a 4 4 creature. It has flying, it has infect, it has also two additional abilities. If, you, if that's not enough for you right there, it has the ability to gain haste for one black mana, or for two, regenerate it. And lastly, I'll go into the clause of infect. For those of those who don't know it out there, when this creature deals damage, it deals in the form of minus one, minus one counters, and to players, it gives poison. And once a player has ten poison, they lose the game. So if you're still with us after that whole essay, <laughs> literally, 
this is a card that's well worth a level higher than Mythic for what it can really, really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at this. I mean, it's a dragon, which makes it a great creature type to just play in a Huge. tribal deck, for example. And in there, it's a win condition unlike any other. And haste in black? When do we see this ever happening? Like, this never it, happens. It's so goofy. It's so bizarre. I mean, this is one commander in which commander damage doesn't matter because you're way dead before that happens. Oh, yeah. This is very frightening, especially regenerate again is one of those keywords that's been phased out over time because it was kind of confusing for newer players. There is a little bit of you know, uh, technicality to it. Mechanics but that, like, also, it was just too good because if you have... They used to specifically print cards saying destroy and can't be regenerated to get around this. They don't do it anymore, which just makes a card like this so much better. Yeah, I mean, there are certain board wipes that do have that clause, Wrath of God. But they're all old. One. They're all old. You don't see the new ones doing that anymore. Kyle, it's not all about age, you know. <laughs> but seriously, though, it's just... Wow. Yeah, I mean, a 4-4 with flying for 5 is a pretty good rate already. Well, also, think of another commander that would absolutely love this in its arsenal. Like, Atrax, we bring this one up all the time, but again, for Proliferate, you really can't understate this. If you're going ahead and being able to give at least 4 poison counters, at the end of the turn, why not add another one? Make them halfway to being infected. Yeah, and you give this even plus 1, plus 1, and that's somebody dead in 2 hits. That's really, really scary. Yeah. This is a great mono-black commander option, even if it probably won't make you too many friends around your kitchen table. It's also a great commander for just a straight-up infect deck. You can play a lot of proliferate cards with stuff. this, and it'll be fun. I mean, look at it. It's hard to block or kill and can even gain haste. Yeah, the list goes on and on about you, why you this card answers, is great. And the thing is, is, you need answers as a collective whole. It's 3v1 when you see someone using this commander, and if there's like a two-headed giant match and they both have it, you just scoop. Yeah, what are you going to do? Tell them to switch decks. Like, <laughs> I've I, I played, my one friend has one of these decks, and oh, yeah, she's kind of upset that we don't let her play that deck. <laughs> but it's not that big of a surprise. No but, wonder why there. Yeah. But enough about this card, the value on it is surely obvious. Going yeah. on to number five, Kyle, what do you got? Well, this one's kind of interesting because I didn't know it was a money card until just recently. Number five on our list here for $20 is Platinum Imperion. This is another giant creature here. It's an artifact creature that costs eight mana to play, and it's an 8-8. Eight, eight, a golem type at that, and it has a very simple ability here. Your life total can't change. Now, that means you can't gain or lose life, and you can't pay any amount of life except zero. The way I kind of look at Platinum Imperion here is it's the newer and slightly fairer version of an old card that was really, really good and continues to be Platinum Angel. Now, you look at that card and just straight up says, you can't lose the game. That's really, really good right there. And, and your especially, can't win the game. Too. Yeah. That's actually a very important clause that's on there. On a flying creature like that, that's pretty good. So you look at something like Platinum Imperion, it's not quite as good because it doesn't have flying, it costs more to play, but still, an 8-8 for 8 is really good stats and, once again, can go in any deck. But uh, one of the things that bugs me about this card that I just really, really don't like is the fact that you can't pay any life when you have this out on the field. It kind of messes with your strategy sometimes. 
Well, yes and no. I mean, I like it for a way, like, I mean, if you're using this, you wouldn't use certain things, but paying life is actually pretty vital, especially in black. Definitely. You look at some examples here. We got Razaketh. We have a card like Greed or one of the newer ones like Vona, Butcher of Magan. Yeah, I mean, some of these cards allow you to pay life to get some really, really great advantages. And with Platinum Imperion out, you're just kind of shutting yourself off to that, which I, I don't really care for, honestly. Which is fair. But I mean, also, think about this. You can exchange control over it for a person who has that deck and make it so that that card stays around. So if they have Razaketh, what's Razaketh really doing? They're just pissed off that it's there because I can't use its effect. So you could use it as like a gifting kind of deck strategy, which is something that's not typically seen for that, but it is a play that could work for you. You could, and I guess we haven't said enough about what this card really does. I mean, this inherently means combat damage to you does nothing, effect damage to you does nothing, and effect like Exsanguinate, where you're going to lose a bunch of life, does nothing. Yeah, and I mean, cards also that are really good out there in which you have to pay life as like, not as the payment, but as a side effect, something as in like Sign and Blood, you get the advantage without the call, like the negative. So there's right. certain things that you can get around with this, which is really, really good. Yeah, and it is bigger than Platinum Angel, but it can get chump blocked. It doesn't have evasion, which I think makes Platinum Angel a little bit better than this card. But the but reason it's an artifact, it yeah, can go with other stuff. The too. reason actually I found out why it is worth so much money now is there's a pretty popular combo with it using Madcap Experiment, which is a card that from Kaladesh that basically lets you play any artifact from your deck, but then you have to take potentially obscene amounts of damage depending oh, on how yeah, many non-artifacts there are on your deck. But you're basically what it comes down to playing an 88 at instant speed for four mana and paying nothing for it. That's the point. I mean, yeah. that's pretty good. And I don't really have too much more to say about it. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's It's got its home possible loss con. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it could be either. Like, Is that a word? It could potentially, I guess, protect you, or I guess it could hurt you sometimes. I don't know. It's a very cool card, and that's probably why people want it so bad. It looks cool, too. Mm. But moving on to number six, and this is a noted card across Magic. We're talking about one of the swords, and this one is Sword of Body and Mind. This one costs three mana, like all the swords do, and it's an equipment that reads Equipped Creature gets two plus two plus two and protection from green and blue. Also, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you put a 2-2 green wolf creature token onto the battlefield, and that player puts the top 10 cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. And all that for equip cost of 2 mana. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You're talking about something that can do whatever you truly need. Like, all the swords are noted for how overpowered they are for... I mean, how many effects do you get out of that? Like, six? Yeah, well, I have to say, some of the older swords, like Fire and Ice, and uh, one of the, whatever, the Light and Shadow, they were, they were a little bit overpowered, but fair. But some of these newer ones, like you just mentioned, Sword of Feast and Famine and Body and Mind, they really took these things to, like, a whole new level of unfairness because they're just absurdly more powerful than the original ones were. Like, I mean... Body and Mind is a good card, but I actually don't get why it's more expensive than Feast and Famine, because Feast and Famine's arguably the best one. Well, think about it. Um, 
That's not true. This uh, oh, it, it of is, course it, it is. is not it untaps better. lands. That's amazing. All like, right. how do you not call that the best in the cycle, Kyle? It's it's not the best in the cycle. Easy. That's I just did it right there. Oh, well, all right. Proof so point. How right does there. body and mind actually stack up to that? All right. Well, what are two things that are very very scary in the game? Green has giant creatures you have to be able to get through. Yes. And blue has evasive, tricky, blah blah blahs. Can be bounced. <laughs> can be countered. Can be stifled. Can be anything. Mm. So I mean. The blue, honestly, blue and black would probably be the best. Blue or white. Or yeah, they'll make ally color swords, though, and hopefully they never will. Yeah, <laughs> see, that would be the scariest one for just how much pinpoint removal that they have. But green being able to pierce through, it doesn't matter how big the creature is. Mm. It, those are the two most common colors I'd say you'd see in Magic as a team, pretty much. Yeah, probably. And I guess the reason why this might be such a money card is because the protections are more relevant than Feast and Fam. Well, and I you, guess that, may, you that might be You get the boost, true. you get the protection. Now, granted, you get a token, so generating an army right there, that also is really good, especially for just flat-out attacking. The creature doesn't have to live. You still get a token. So it replaces itself if it dies, and you give it the the token, the equipment. Yeah, but milling for 10 every time can... You could mill somebody matter. out with that, but it could backfire. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, about backfiring. The only thing that backfire is they lose because they milled out. Well, some decks like putting their entire deck into the graveyard, and you'll want to help them with that if you can help it. That is fair, but that's not every deck. And again, taking out some combo pieces that they'd rather keep does hurt. Possibly. But it's just such good advantage on whatever creature you give it to. Any commander would love having this equipped. Any of the swords equipped to it. So this is just something, again, it's not a reprinted card ever, really. No. This is a super hard card to find. People love them. Not many people are trading them. <laughs> so it's just a great card for how little mana you put in there to literally, it's you get five mana to cast in and equip. You get five effects for five mana. That You can't get anything better than that than, like, the dollar menu at McDonald's right there. Yeah, really, pretty much. I mean, speaking of protection, though, let's go on to another card that's actually all about protection. At number seven on our list, for $11, we have a green enchantment called Asceticism. Now, this costs five mana, three colorless, and two green. Creatures you control can't be the targets of spells or abilities your opponents control, so they all get hexproof. That's basically what this says, all of your creatures. And then also, in addition, you can tap one colorless and one green, just that, to regenerate target creature. Now, we've kind of talked about regeneration and how good it is, and this is good for pretty much all those same reasons. I mean, this gives it to all your creatures. Come on, that's, like, <laughs> really, really well, good. As long as you have the mana to be able to make it afloat. So, inherently, the turn you play this, you might not have any creatures out because this is your turn just to go out, make it so, all right, now next turn I'll be able to undump, dump my hand out and then have a very scary board presence that they won't be able to handle. But... There are board wipes, I've mentioned this before, but we'll name a couple real fast that have this whole regeneration doesn't matter. You have Wrath of God. Damnation. But Supreme Verdict is one of the better counter spells that's out there today. And Asceticism does stop that dead in its tracks, actually. Yeah, so that's is, worth noting. Which is actually pretty funny because mm. the whole, alright, well, I'm not going to counter it. I'm not going to respond to that because I can't. But I'll just make it so my stuff lives through it. So if you're running exactly. Bants, it makes it so it's kind of funny in that regard that you can make <laughs> it so you're untouched, which is really cool. Yeah, and I mean, giving all your stuff hexproof is also so good that it really can't be overstated. This combines, like, the best of both worlds abilities where you make your creatures almost indestructible and you make them untargetable. Oh. It's almost impossible to Yeah, how you get stop. rid of that? You exactly. need a, a Merciless Eviction or something like that. Or just you just blank. need to get rid of this card, for starters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Or just blanket... Uh, uh, 
exile effects like Oblivion Stone or something like that. But also yeah. the fact that it's an enchantment matters, especially in green, because green does have enchantress builds that do matter with that kind of oh, style. Totally. So this could work. And so something like an artifact would probably be a little worse in this case. Perhaps. Again, though, this card has never been reprinted, which is why it's still pretty expensive. Not many people giving this one away either. I mean, it is just so good. And I, I would play it almost any time I could. Yeah, I agree. It's a little bit niche, but it's strong. Oh, definitely. And it's worth so it. strong. But moving on to our number eight, and I think this is going to be our first one of this permanent type. We're talking about a card, a planeswalker called Venser the Sojourner. I think that's how you say it. For eleven dollars, so. this card has a mana cost of five for three generic and a white and a blue, and it comes in with three starting loyalty. And we'll take this guy down bit by bit. So it has a plus two effect to exile target permanent you own. Return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. It has a minus one where creatures are unblockable this turn. And finally, an ultimate for that costs eight. You get an emblem with, whenever you cast a spell, exile target permanent. Super duper strong for having a yeah. kind of planeswalker with this kind of versatility. Typically home in blink decks, um, and a great home for a commander like this is Brago. Yeah, I mean, that was what I was going to say. Brago is absolutely the perfect place for Venser because the blinking ability works great obviously, but also there's that unblockable ability, too, that makes sure Brago and any other creatures that are attacking will hit. That's just a minus one. That's so cool. Like, well, really. And even with Brago, you go ahead, you use the minus, make Brago hit, blink him back in, then get the plus. Uh, and then yeah. it just resets the loyalty, goes again. So, I mean, actually, Brago would be really good for a blue-white Super Friends deck. Oh, totally. I've seen a lot of that before. But, yeah, Venser is a really interesting Planeswalker who seems to want to do a lot of different things, but actually all kind of fits right at home in the same sort of deck, and that's a Blink-based deck. Yeah, it's set strongly in the Azorius Guild, right? Yes, that's right. And he was the first uh, blue-white Planeswalker there ever was, and a pretty good one oh, at that. Oh, <laughs> So... Yeah, I mean, and look at that ultimate, though. Cast a spell, exile a permanent. Wow, that is really powerful. It's almost like the, what is it, the Dijin? Whenever you play something, you bounce a permanent? Yeah, Tide Spout Timer. Tide, That's yeah. exactly what it's like. So it's yeah. almost like if you're running that, inherently you're going to run this as well, except that one's mono blue inherently. Yeah, Venser is just very cool. The only thing I will say about him that makes him slightly less broken is the fact that he can't exile things and blink them that you steal from other people. It has to be something you own. So none of that, oh, I'm going to steal your creature, like with Dead Eye Navigator, and I blink it, and suddenly it's mine now. None of that. Unfortunately, yeah. but he can untap lands for you, which is noteworthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can get that little boost, which in those colors you don't really ramp 100%. But yeah, I mean, pff, come on, this is a great planes. Great walker. planes walker under costed for what? It if can you're really in these do. colors, you have no excuse not to play this card. Yeah, it just if it was running green, getting that whole effect off of a doubling season. Mm -hmm. ugh, yeah, that'd be so yeah. nice. <laughs> we can dream. But anyway, moving on to number nine. Yes, and at our number nine is going to black, actually, once again. For $10, we have a legendary creature called Geth, Lord of the Vault. Now, this is a zombie legend, and he has 5-5, five, five, and once again, the Intimidate ability comes up, meaning in this case that he can't be blocked except by artifact creatures or black creatures. His activated ability is X and black. Put target artifact or creature card with converted mana cost X from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control tapped. Then that player puts the top X cards of their library 
into their graveyard. That's a little bit of a wall of text, so let's break it down for you a little bit here. Basically what they're saying is, you look at your opponent's graveyards, choose the best artifact or creature they have in there, and as much mana, if you have enough mana to pay for it, you can bring it back to your side of the field. I mean, it will be tapped, so it can't defend you right away, but still pretty good. And then you mill them, so then you can make Geth even better the following turn. Plus, He's a giant evasive creature. Really, what more can you ask from a card like this? Well, I actually have one question for Geth himself. Is it fear or is it intimidate he has? Because literally, isn't <laughs> that fear? I mean, yeah, it pretty much is. Just reworded. That's <laughs> so goofy. I've but... seen a commander deck with Geth do very, very, very well. And just because, as we all know, there are some really scary artifacts out there, like Mesmeric Orb, I think, That's being the, the primary offender. I was totally thinking about that right there. Making everyone perpetually mill and you getting all the benefits. Inherently, he has a Beacon of Unrest effect on him. Yes. Except for it's going to be costing a little bit more mana for what it can do. But also it feeds itself, which is just so good. Yeah, every time I want to feed myself, it's just awesome because I just get exactly <laughs> what I want right then and there. But also, this is good for uh, multiplayer games like we see in Commander. This definitely is a home in Commander. But it also would work for something like Two-Headed Giant or like we see in Battlebond recently coming oh, yeah. out. This could totally work with that kind of strategy or play. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, it fuels itself, big body, and it's the, the target ability like first to take something out of the grave and then mill. I wish it was mill and then take something out of the grave, but I guess it would yeah, be a little too good yeah, that it'd be way. too good. But also, I like it as well because like what we see with Bajookabog, being able to take something out of a person's grave, very strong. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to worry about that anymore, which is great having that on a commander who can just flat out remove problems from the grave. Oh, yeah, and it's an instant speed ability, so whenever. Yeah, if they go ahead and they use something like, oh, I got a, I don't know, what's a, uh, Karmic Guide comes out <laughs> into play. Something like right that, there. yeah. Alright, response, I'll tap this man and I'll snag it and then Karmic Guide's got no target. So. Exactly. And plus, again, black, really easy to ramp with Cabal Coffers and Cabal Stronghold and whatnot, so. Very strong. This ability can get really juiced up really fast. 100%. It just fits so well in black with any, like, just run a good stuff deck and this deck will totally take off. Oh yeah. Definitely. But moving on to our final card for the hidden gems of... Scars of Scars of Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that one. Dramatic pause for this one. But at number 10, we're talking about another Planeswalker here, and this one is called Koth of the Hammer, and it costs around about $9.50 right here. And, Kyle, you mind if I take this one? Oh, go ahead. So this one comes into play with three loyalty, so it's a little risky right there because it is lightning boltable, and it costs four mana, uh, four, two generic and double red. The first one being, it's plus one, untapped target mountain, and it becomes a 4-4 four, four red elemental creature until the end of its turn, but it is still a land. Next it has its minus two, add, add red mana to your mana pool for each mountain you control, and finally, for your minus five, you get the ultimate in which you get an emblem, where mountains you control have tap, this land deals one damage to target creature or player. So this is a very unique, kind of interesting planeswalker that you see in red. Mm -hmm. The best effect on this creature is notably probably the minus two for just oh, getting so without much Without a doubt, yeah. And this is very comparable to a land that we see in a different color, Cabal Coffers. We just talked about it, but this is this is the red Cabal Coffers. It's about as close as you're going to get outside of something like Nykthos, for yeah, example, which works for everyone. Yeah, but that's off Devotion. This is just yeah. flat-out lands. So inherently, if you just go ahead and keep bringing out more lands, this just gets better. So late game, you get more. Early game, you get a little, but it gives you that boost to go over. And, I mean, 
the other effects, the plus one, I mean, you're only going to use the plus one is if you've already used the minus two, so that this way you True. can use the minus two again. And I rarely ever have seen the ultimate effect go off in which the lands have that. I actually have done it, and it feels really good to be able to just do damage to people by tapping your lands. But, it is great. But does it? Because inherently, if you tap it, you're using it for the effect to hurt and not to get mana, Well, right? it's true. It's not great earlier in the game, but it can be a late-game winner, and that's basically what it was in my case. I got somebody down to a low enough life total that all I had to do was sit there and ping them with my lands until they died. Right, well, for that example, I guess this could work in, like, a Neheb the Eternal deck, yeah. in which the damage matters or something like that. But inherently, it's good, I think, for the fact that if you have excess mana, you can utilize it in a new way that other players would be envious of. Yeah, let's look at some of the more broken rituals in Magic's history. Mana Geyser and Seething Song, for example. Those are one-shot effects. They're really good, but they're one-shot effects. Koth of the Hammer is a planeswalker, therefore he can do this multiple times as long as you keep him around. And man, that's some good card advantage. Well, yeah, I would actually argue if I wanted to have the rituals over him. yeah, Because inherently, you're pretty much only going to get his effect off once to go ahead and make it so that you get the mana from those mountains. So... Which one would be better? Like, I think, honestly, it's in between. If you're running Mono Red, you'd probably want to run all three anyways. Probably, but I would argue Koth is better most of the time, because if you can take any ability like that in permanent form is usually better. Uh, I could agree with you and disagree with you, but also the plus one's a little risky. Losing a land like that, the whole point of him is pretty much to ramp, so inherently getting a land that can be vulnerable to die... Yeah, that always makes me a little nervous, but you usually end up tapping it for more mana anyway, so it doesn't really enter combat. I guess the fact that it makes it an elemental could sort of be useful in a tribal yeah, sense somehow. Yeah, that's a little janky there. That could yeah. work, but... But still, Koth is a really, really good Planeswalker. He may really only be good in a mono-red deck, probably, but I think he's one that doesn't get as much attention as he deserves. Well, Koth, we're going to give you that attention right now. But anyway, that is going to be the final card for our money cards today. And if you actually enjoyed the cards that we had in our card pool, be sure to let us know. Let us know which ones are your favorite, where you see a home for them, how you use them in your decks, and if there's anything that you think that we missed about them. Without a doubt. And you can also let us know about that stuff either in the comments down below or reach out to us on social media at our Reddit, Twitter, and Facebook pages, all at the handle MTG the Card Pool. And, of course, stay tuned for next week, where we'll take one final look at Scars of Mirrodin and discuss the set as a whole. But until then, I'm Kyle Robertson. And I'm Stu Galetta. And, and we'll, we'll see you next time at the Card Pool. Pool.